the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Last week we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 19. And today we're going to be looking at verses 19 through 26. Now as we look at this text, we're going to see the Spirit of God through Paul's pen give us some very specific instructions, very clear instructions. And in our text last week, Paul was drawing a very clear contrast between those who determined to walk by the Spirit in truth and those who are walking according to the flesh and are being deceived by false teachers. And I want to once again go back and look at verse 15. I'm just going to lightly touch on it, because this is the verse that is so consistently abused from the pulpit and other places, and really quick for people to pick up a guilt trip out of. Verse 15 of 2 Timothy chapter 2 says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Some of you have translations that say study. Study to show yourself approved. Some of you have actually memorized it that way, right? Study is not in the original language. It does not exist in that scripture. When he says this, he's not talking about becoming. That word there is diligent. It means to be aggressive, to pursue that position before the Lord. And pursuing it, it doesn't mean to become. It means to be, to assume it, to Present yourselves is not from outside coming in. It's literally standing before him as this is who you are. This is who you are. This is not who you're going to become. This is who you are. Are you approved in Christ Jesus? Absolutely. You are actually accepted. Are you his workmanship? Absolutely. So we're not becoming something. We are actually what he's made us to be. This is not becoming. This is being. As a yielded child of God, you are approved. You are a workman who by his grace has no cause to be ashamed. Present yourself to God this way continually. 
And as such, you will endeavor to handle the word of truth accurately. Okay? Paul's saying, Timothy, stand against heresy. Stand against false teaching. Stand in the truth. Recognize that you stand before God as an approved worker who has no cause of shame. For shame, you are capable and ready in obedience to handle the word of truth accurately. Don't give in to the accusation. You remember what Timothy was going through. You know, they were looking at him because of his age. They were, uh, you know, trying to be dismissive of him. They weren't, they were not honoring him. They were not respecting him. The false teachers had the higher ground. They had control of the church and they were, the church body was older. So therefore they didn't think a whole lot of Timothy, who was between 30 and 40 at that time, around 36. And, and so he's going through all of this stuff, feelings of inadequacy. He's, he's kind of a timid soul anyway. Feelings of inadequacy. Feelings of being unequipped, unable. All of these things are coming against Timothy. So verse 15 makes sense. Of course it does. But not if you make it a legalistic hammer. It makes sense that you are to present yourself this way. Because listen, how many times has God called you to go speak to someone and the enemy begins accusing, he begins to show you how inadequate you are, he begins to point at you and say, what right do you have to say? What could you possibly bring to the table? That kind of thing. And what Paul is telling, the Holy Spirit is telling Timothy, step up man, you're approved. You're accepted. You have no reason to be ashamed. Go forward in the truth. You can do it. So, verse 15 is an encouragement. You are capable, ready, and obedience to handle the word of truth. And in order to accurately handle the word of truth, it must be handled before him in recognition of our dependence upon him, right? It is his word to be diligent, a diligent worker. We are to keep it ever before us, seeking his revelation and understanding. We go to the word of God, not based on our intellect, but based on what the spirit of God's going to show us, right? Then we come to our text. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 19, 26, verse 19. Nevertheless... The firm foundation of God stands. The firm foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows who are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, and love, and peace with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps 
God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the, of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Now, we come to verse 19 where Paul continues his warning. He says, Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having the seal. The Lord knows who those who are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now, we covered this verse last week, and I told you that we believe that the firm foundation is the church. It is the ecclesia. It is the body of Christ. And Paul references the church in two different contexts, and both by way of analogy. The first is verse 19, where he refers to it as the foundation of God. It is the eternal body of Christ, established in him, and stands complete, perfect, immovable, unchangeable, because it's the body of Christ. Those of us who are of the body of Christ bear the seal of the Spirit. Ephesians 1.13 In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Okay, then Paul continues with these words. The Lord knows those who are his, which is a quote taken from number 16, verse 5. And as I mentioned, this is an intimate knowing that comes from union. What union? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. The Lord knows those who are one spirit with him. It is by the spirit we are known and the church is sealed. Okay? Then Paul gives a warning to those who name his name, those who are in the true church, but are walking according to the flesh and have embraced these false teachers. And he says, everyone who names the name of the Lord, is to abstain from wickedness. Well, that's not to the lost. The lost can't abstain from wickedness, can they? Right? So this is also a way of discerning those who are false. And notice that they are identifying with Christ, yet they need to abstain from weakness. So they're declaring themselves as Christians, but they're not abstaining from wickedness. Then in verse 20, Paul refers to the church in a totally different analogy and a different context. So if you're not watching this, you can get confused, okay? In verse 20, he says, In a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. This again is a reference to the church. That large house is the church, not the spiritual body. It is not the spiritual body, but the church as it is on the earth. That's what he's making reference to. And that is what he's been making reference to in context. So he's establishing the fact that the true church is not moved. The true church is as it is. And while we have many who come into the church here on earth, God knows who are his. Okay? Do you get that? So, 
we have contrasting vessels. The large house is the church. The master is Jesus. In the church, we have contrasting vessels. There are two types of vessels. They're very different. The word vessel could be used for anything within the house, like kitchen utensils, furnishings, tools. In this case, we're looking at it as containers. Within the house, there are, as I said, two types of vessels, some of great value, made of silver and gold, made to be used by the master. Okay? They are to be seen, and they reflect the wealth and the status of the master. These are vessels that are made for the master, to be useful to the master for a specific purpose. These are made unto honor. They are honorably used by the master. Okay? There are also vessels in this large house that are wood and earthenware. Okay? They are to be used by the servants of the master. They are for ignoble use. That is common use or unclean use. They are dishonorable vessels. Now this is the house of God as built by man. It is the wheat, the field of wheat and tares mentioned in Matthew. Between the true church, here is where Paul is establishing the distinctions between the true church, the spiritual church that that Christ established, and the church that resides here on earth. And Paul is confronting external Christianity. So we have two different vessels. They are different in how they are made. They are different in what they are made for. They are different in who they are made for. But they are in the house. And just because they're both in the house doesn't make them the same or mean putting them together is a good idea. Okay? In this church, we have those who are diligently seeking to walk in the truth, those who are seeking to expand in the truth, those who are passionate about knowing him and yielding to his will, and then we have those who are new creations, but are distracted with the world, who are walking after the flesh and have become carnal in their souls. Both are vessels of honor. Both are vessels of honor. Okay? One is yielding to the master's touch, and they are useful in his hands. They are being filled with new wine and the bread of life and are the nurture of those around them. The other, the carnal, have allowed themselves to be used by the world and the enemy like vessels made for dishonor. There is nothing the enemy loves more than to take a vessel made unto honor and fill it with the world's filth. He lives for that. And that's a distinction. Because while they're filled with those things that would go in a vessel of dishonor, they are still vessels of honor. God made them for something different. And we all know Christians that are like this. God made them for something different, but they're distracted by the world. They're living to something else. So, when we do that, when we allow the enemy to fill this vessel of honor with refuse, then we are being used to carry on the distortion of truth in our living. Other Christians see us. And we become a corruption among the brethren. That's what carnality does. Now, then there are vessels made unto dishonor. 
And notice that that is not what they have become. This is how they are made. There's a distinction. We had, I just mentioned two vessels, but we have over here vessels of honor. Some that are used honorably, some that allow themselves to be used dishonorably. Then we have vessels made, made, it's a key word, made unto dishonor, right? They are dishonorable in how they're used. So, then there are the vessels that are made unto dishonor. Notice this is not what they become, but this is how they are made. So they're not carnal Christians, they're lost. And unless they are remade by the master, their composition will not change. They are not to be vessels that are presented or displayed. How many of you eat or drink out of a trash can? Don't raise your hands, please. And I apologize to those of you who use toilets for planters, but that's another example of improper use. Okay? This is what happens. Verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Cleanses himself from what things? Cleanses himself from being associated with, running alongside of, vessels that were made for dishonor. Acting like a vessel that was made for dishonor is what is going, what he's describing. For if you want to cleanse yourself from acting like a vessel made from dishonor, for dishonor. So therefore, Verse 21, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Therefore, set yourself apart from sin, is what he's saying. Set yourself apart from the world. And Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is a vessel made unto honor, isn't he? So what is Paul talking about? What does it mean to cleanse yourself? Well, you didn't make yourself a new creation, did you? You didn't make yourself a holy creature, did you? You did not make yourself pure before the Lord. A child of God, made unto honor. All of that is a done deal. So Paul is referencing, by way of analogy, what you're allowing yourself to be filled with. That's what he's talking about. The Greek word for cleanse is ekephyro. And it it is where we get our word catharsis from. It means a thorough cleaning, a complete cleansing. He's saying, be completely cleansed of corruption. In other words, before you put good food into that vessel, clean the trash out of it, okay? Clean the garbage out of it. Paul is telling Timothy, avoid corruption. He uses the word sanctified and He says, you're sanctified. That's a perfect passive in the Greek, meaning that it's already been sanctified. As a vessel of God, you're already sanctified, okay? Consecrated, dedicated, made useful to the master who is Jesus. Useful with, which means easy to be used, obedient, yielded, submissive, prepared for every good work. Again, that is perfect passive in the Greek. It means it's already done. You have been prepared. A yielded, cleansed vessel in the master hand is prepared for every good work. Good, agatheos, 
which constitutes the very nature of that work. So Ephesians 2.10 comes to mind. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for what? For good work. Agathos, good works. Which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. What he's describing is when he says cleanse yourself, he's saying walk in them. Separate yourself from those things that corrupt you. Alright? Walk in them. And I got to ask you, do you imagine that as a vessel of God yielded to his hand, that the work that you would do would be any less than good? Do you think you would ever come into it unprepared? Yielded to the master's hand? Do you really? No. Because all that is needed in the good work is the master. That's all that's needed. Not what you add to the picture. You're the vessel. Verse 22. Now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. As I said, Timothy is somewhere between 30 and 40. Most people believe it's 36 at this time. So he's still vulnerable and they're in our minds for youthful lust. But this is not just referencing sexual temptation. It's an inordinate craving for anything. It refers to appetites of the flesh. It refers to self-indulgence. It could be anything. Pleasure, power, control, popularity, wealth. Has anybody seen the lines to get lottery tickets? It's this craving that says, I gotta have it. Right? First Peter says... Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshy lust, which wage war against the soul. There are corruption to the soul. Now, it's a little things that, that tend to get me. I mean, the enemy doesn't come along very often with anything big and broad that I can recognize directly. But it's that little impurity that he introduces into my life. That little drop of something in the midst of my soul that grows and becomes difficult. That little seed of resentment, that little seed of bitterness, or maybe it's a cavalier attitude towards the disciplines of truth, or maybe it's, it's a rebellion, or maybe it's just contrarianism, which is something that runs deep in my family. I don't know. It's something. It's something. And it's just that one little thing. And and I allow it to be there because I refuse to recognize it. I don't want to be done with it. But all the while it's there, as Paul describes, it's like gangrene. It begins to eat and consume. It begins to take uh, the form of a stronghold. You know, strongholds are not built on affirmed and, and established territory. They're built on territories that are being captured and held in place. So, the little things that we allow. And you know the Spirit of God is so faithful to point them out, isn't he? It's not like I have to sit around and ask God, well, what do I need to be cleansed of today? It comes up regularly, doesn't it? And why is that? Because I tell you, I said this to you before, the soul's like a lint roller. You're out there all day long just picking up stuff. And it collects in your soul. And the Spirit of God says, hey, you know what? 
you got some dust bunnies here. They need to be taken care of. Oh, no, no, I'll get to that. I'll get to that, right? He's saying, don't allow it. Remember, the soul is the contents of the vessel. It is the mind, will, and emotions. He uses the word flee, fuigo. It means to escape, to run as though your life depended on it, to seek safety from. Like when Joseph fled from Potiphar's wife in Genesis 39. And Paul is not intimating that Timothy has fallen into some kind of sin. It's a warning against associating with those who are indulging sin. That's what's going on there. Timothy may have been concerned, and we we know from the text that he was somewhat concerned with the intense persecution under Nero and what was currently going on within the church that I mentioned earlier in the congregation because of his age. And Timothy could have very easily entered into self-protection, couldn't he? Either by becoming argumentative and combative and controlling, or he could retreat, right, like some do, and become the victim or the martyr, hiding and capitulating to avoid conflict. We never do that, do we, right? Now, this is living according to the flesh. And the flesh is vulnerable to how many temptations? All temptations. So when we determine to walk according to the flesh, we have just opened the back door of our soul and invited the enemy in. So Paul is telling Timothy, stand in your identity as an approved, accepted workman in God's hands. Run from the corruption of the flesh. Run to the spirit. Run to, after, with all passion and determination like an athlete for the prize. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.